Bridge Bank helps breakthrough ideas actually break through and remains dedicated to providing financial solutions to the risk takers, the game changers, and the disruptors. Bridge Bank, a division of Western Alliance Bank. Bridge Bank, be bold, venture wisely. Hey there, this is Brittany Luce from NPR's It's Been a Minute. KQED's podcasts like The Bay, Bay Curious, Mind Shift, Right Nowish, and more all tell the stories of the Bay and beyond with reliable, human-centered journalism. They aim to inspire, make you think, entertain, and expand your understanding of the place you call home. Here's how you can support podcasting at KQED. Showing your support is easy, and you can join Brittany in supporting KQED Podcast too at donate.kqed.org slash podcast. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcast. From KQED. From KQED Public Radio in San Francisco, I'm Mina Kim. As Democrats decried the confirmation of Judge Amy Coney Barrett as an egregious and hypocritical Republican power grab while voting is underway, California Senator Dianne Feinstein called it, quote, one of the best sets of hearings that I've participated in. We get the latest reactions to Feinstein's comments. Then, the parents of 545 children separated at the U.S.-Mexico border still can't be found. It's been three years since the Trump administration began separating migrant parents from their kids, some as young as infants. We look at the continuing effects of Trump's policy and how the pandemic is further hampering efforts to reunite families. Forum is next. This is Forum. I'm Mina Kim. Democrats, furious over the rushed confirmation process of Judge Amy Coney Barrett, boycotted today's Judiciary Committee vote, an extraordinary step that stands in stark contrast to the comments about the confirmation process that California Senator Dianne Feinstein made to Judiciary Chairman Lindsey Graham last week. Here it is. Mr. Chairman, I just want to thank you. Uh, This has been one of the best set of hearings that I've participated in, and I want to thank you for your fairness and the opportunity of going back and forth, it leaves one with a lot of hopes, a lot of questions, and even some ideas, perhaps some good bipartisan legislation we can put together to make this great country even better. So thank you so much for your leadership. Feinstein is now under fire from progressive groups calling for her to step down as the highest ranking Democrat on the Judiciary Committee or even resign. Joining us to talk more about it is Marisa Lagos, politics correspondent for KQED and co-host of KQED's Political Breakdown. Hey, Marisa. Hey, Mina. Glad to be here. Well, glad to have you. First, do you want to comment quickly on the Democrats' boycott and what practical effect, if any, it had? I mean, it doesn't have a practical effect. I think it got them some headlines, which is uh, something that they want right now is to draw attention to this to talk more about, you know, what they see this uh, confirmation as meaning for things like health care uh, that Americans care deeply about. Um, it's a real market change. I was just right before we started, I was watching uh, the news conference that uh, Senator Feinstein and others participated in just about 15 or 20 minutes ago. And, you know, it, it was so different what she was saying there from what she said to in that clip you just played where she mm-hmm. talked about that they had basically broken their own rules to rush this confirmation through and did it again this morning by voting without any Democrats there. I mean, maybe they had hoped that 
that Republicans would balk. But um, I don't think that was really the purpose here. I think it was more, you know, it was a protest, right? (laughs) And protests have uh, usually more sort of PR considerations than necessarily uh, the ability in this case to slow down this process. Right. So, you know, in terms of those comments that she did make at the conclusion of the confirmation hearings that were really quite glowing, uh, what was the criticism that was leveled against her afterwards and who was it coming from mainly? Yeah, so this is largely from very progressive groups, at least the folks who have been outspoken and saying it on the record with their names next to it. Um, But I think what's interesting Well, to back up to answer your question. So, you know, she made those comments during the hearing. But I think the moment that really angered a lot of people and not just progressive groups was the fact that she went up to Lindsey Graham afterwards, the chairman of the committee, um, who has obviously really, you know, carried a lot of water for President Trump over the last four years and gave him a hug. They were both unmasked, um, which is really like a, a sort of a side mention, I would say, but it's important because if you look at the way that especially Joe Biden and Kamala Harris have been, um, you know, sort of making a point to be masked and to be very careful about COVID, I think that irked people, but even more it irked people that she would do that and, and praise him. And what's really fascinating is the kind of off the record whispers we're hearing out of DC from other Democrats who are frustrated. So this is not just groups, you know, who helped Kevin DeLeon challenge her a couple years ago. Um, This is coming from the Democratic caucus itself. And I think the bigger question is what happens if if Democrats get the Senate next year? Yes, you're absolutely right. I do think it was notable that while it didn't sound like there were key members of the Senate or key Democrats even who were criticizing her, they were clearly not defending her Mm -hmm. when these questions and criticisms were coming up. And that does sound like uh, quite a significant thing to do with someone like a Dianne Feinstein who does hold such an important position on the Judiciary Committee. And as you say, so if Democrats did get control of the Senate, I mean, what are the questions that they would really need to be grappling with with regard to her position, which she spent a long time cultivating? (laughs) Right. And I think to your point, it's even more remarkable because this is the Senate, not the House, right? This is a body that has really prided itself on, you know, tradition and this idea of seniority. I mean, Nancy Pelosi has made changes to accommodate less, you know, more junior members in the House. We've not seen that in the Senate. On the other hand, you know, they basically run for these committee chairmanships. So even though she's the heir apparent, I mean, somebody could challenge her. But I don't think that's what um, any Democrats in leadership really want. I mean, if you look at Politico's done some great reporting on this, Mina, and yeah, to your point, there's a lot of off the record comments, not a lot on the record from Democrats being critical. But, you know, look, the Senate Republicans, whether they were in the minority or majority over the last 12 years, have used this committee very effectively to both block Obama's nominations to the bench and to really rush through the confirmation um, of hundreds of President Trump's. And so I think that there's this concern that in this moment, this hyperpartisan moment, when you have... Um, you know, if Democrats win and they win the White House and the Senate, that they will have a very sort of fleeting moment to try to push back on some of the really deep changes that have been made over the last couple of years. And is Dianne Feinstein the best person to lead that given how cozy she is with Republicans and how she really, I think for a lot of people seems to be almost a, a creature of a different era when we talk about that idea of sort of reaching across the aisle. Um, although I was thinking about it too. I mean, she was elected in 92. You know, the 90s were the time of New Gingrich and, and the attacks on uh, President Clinton by Republicans and, and a lot of clashes there. So 
I, I think in some ways, Diane Feinstein's always been a little outside of um, mm-hmm. that <laughs> mainstream. Yeah. Well, let's put it to our listeners. I mean, what do you think of Senator Feinstein's role at the confirmation hearings? What do you think about how she's been representing California? 866-733-6786. Or email your questions or comments to forum at kqed.org or post them online at kqed forum john wright senator feinstein is neither in line with the politics of the average californian nor is she an effective leader in the senate her collegiality with republicans has yielded no benefits for her constituents and has provided a sheen of bipartisanship that republicans can then use as a weapon she should have gone two years ago she should definitely go now let me go to joshua in oakland hi joshua what do you think Oh, Joshua, I think we lost you there. So let me go next to Robin's tweet. Robin writes, I love DiFi. She's my senator. I wasn't disappointed in the hug. After all, they're not mortal enemies. They're colleagues. I just felt she wasn't strong or crafty enough to try to stop the confirmation. I mean, in some ways, as you alluded to a little bit, Feinstein is a moderate, right? I mean, is this just in line with her politics? Or is there any merit to the concern that her her judgment, her pol- her bipartisanship is concerning in this era. You know, it's an interesting question because obviously, I mean, we have, you know, I think the elephant in the room that folks don't want to talk about, and, and because it is sensitive and it should be, it's her age, right? And and she is eighty seven, and we we also have two men running for president in their seventies. You know, if Joe Biden's elected, he would be the oldest president to ever take office. Um, but I do think that it's the it's that combination, Mina. It's the fact that yes, she's always been a moderate. Look back to her time in San Francisco, right, as mayor here. Um, on the other hand. This moment is different. And on top of that, you have, I think, real questions about not just sort of, um, you know, the fact that California has changed. This has become a more progressive state and she has been representing it for almost three decades. So, um, you know, I think it's a combination of all those factors. And certainly people who have long opposed her, I'm sure, see an opportunity here. But, you know, I mean, this is Congress is one of the few places where you you don't want to retire, you know, and I think that that is something that more and more folks are are taking a look at in terms of their representation and whether they feel that the people uh, in office are doing that uh, to the best of what they want to see their ability. Well, Dan writes, Senator Feinstein lives in a bygone era of decorum. These days are gone. Feinstein should be gone and liberals should stop bringing flowers to a gunfight. Amy writes, what on earth was good about the hearings? There might be a historical context I'm unaware of, but oof, in such difficult times, I can't imagine calling the hearings good. And why on earth would Feinstein hug Graham unmasked? So who would potentially be, as you say, this is not a position that, you know, she is guaranteed to get if the Democrats control the Senate in terms of leading the Judiciary Committee, a very powerful committee who could be in line to challenge her. Um, I need to look at the, the seniority list, but I mean, there are a lot of very talented members. I guess Pat, Patrick Leahy from Vermont is uh, the, the 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 next in line. Senator um, Dick Durbin. Yeah, Sheldon Dick White Durbin House. and then yeah. Sheldon Whitehouse, mm-hmm. who, you know, Whitehouse is somebody who I think very much excited Democrats at those hearings with his line of questioning, which was very respectful of Amy Coney Barrett, but made some really sharp points. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you look at the next three in line, I did pull them up. It's Leahy, Durbin, White House. So um, three white men who none of which are, you know, in, in the AOC age bracket. So it's not as if we would be uh, going to somebody um, 
I don't know who who fits a really different demographic profile, but I do think if you think about the questioning of most of those folks, um, you know, Klobuchar, Chris Coons, were all very impressive at those hearings um, to a lot of liberals. Mm. Well, I mean, Feinstein has a long and storied career. She's part of the reason why she's won so many terms. She's set to serve until 2024. You mentioned her age. I mean, if something happens, what are remedies? Um, well, you know, I, I, there's long been a lot of speculation in California that she would not serve out this full term. And if, you know, all the ifs, but if Democrats win the White House and the Senate, um, obviously Gavin Newsom will get to replace Kamala Harris um, in the Senate. He could get a second appointment if Dianne Feinstein chooses to step down. And I do think that's something to watch. From what you, you read and just the sort of history of the body, nobody's going to want to stand up and say Dianne Feinstein's not up to the task we're asking her to step down. That Those are all conversations that are going to be happening behind closed doors. So I would guess that if she really feels threatened, there could be a scenario where she would prefer to step down than to be forced out. But, you know, Dianne Feinstein, like you said, has a very long history of public service um, of, you know, important legislation over her years. And I think understandably wants this, you know, whatever, however her uh, career ends in the Senate to be on her terms. So I'm not sure. I, I don't know how it'll play out. But certainly it'll be fascinating, Mina, if Gavin Newsom gets to pick two senators. I mean, that would really be unprecedented. Yes. And there's quite a list of people who'd like that as well. Um, well, Todd writes, our leaders need to be more in touch. There should be an ongoing effort to develop and promote new talent. Why do it in sports? Why not in Congress? Uh, well, Mar Marisa Lagos, thanks so much for talking with us. I really appreciate it. Always a pleasure, Mina. Marisa Lagos, KQED's politics correspondent and co-host of KQED's Political Breakdown. Thanks to our listeners for their comments. We'll be talking next about the southern border and efforts to reunite families who still have not been reunited three years since separations began. So stay with us for that. I'm Mina Kim. Support for Forum comes from San Francisco Opera. Set 10 years after a school shooting, the critically acclaimed opera Innocence takes us into a complex emotional journey where our understanding of innocence and guilt is constantly upended. Kaya Sariajo's ethereal score collapses the past into the present as a community of survivors grapple with how to move forward. Don't miss the highly anticipated American premiere of Innocence, June 1st through 21st. Learn more at sfopera.com. We've all got those parts of our house where the internet just won't go. Well, if you had wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you could worry less about dead spots. Because with wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you get fast speeds, reliable connection in every room, and power for all of your devices, even when everyone's online. That's wall-to-wall -wall Wi-Fi only with Xfinity. Restrictions apply. Not available in all areas. Actual speeds vary. 
all over the country. We need to improve reading in Wisconsin. Schools are changing the way they teach reading. I'm calling for a renewed focus on literacy. We have gotten this wrong in New York and all across the nation. And it's happening because of a podcast. I think your podcast has changed my life. And I'm going to share this podcast with everyone I meet. Sold a Story investigates how teaching kids to read went wrong. New episodes of Sold a Story are available now.